at my DTC Grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brands. What are the most important metrics for a DTC brand and how to improve them? Chase Climber is the co-founder at Electric Eye, where he and his team create Shopify-powered sales machines from strategic design, development and marketing decisions. He's also the host of the weekly podcast Honest E-Commerce. You will get the answers to all of these questions. What are the most important numbers for a DTC brand? How could you increase sessions, average order value and conversions? How could you reach product market fit? What are the strategic places in the customer journey and how not to mess it up? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I asked all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now, let's get ready! Yeah, I, I really like the phrase that uh, if somebody's scrolling to your uh, e-commerce store, you should assume that uh, he is drunk and in a hurry. It it was the best from from your from your uh, from your ebook. Well, yeah. I wish I could, uh, you know, admit that was mine. I that's from probably a little little bit like a collaboration of a few different things I've read online. There used to be this guy. Uh, I, the website still might exist, but I don't think he does this service anymore. But it was called the User is Drunk, and it was like I think it was like the User is Drunk dot com, and this guy would do like UX kind of audits where he'd like knock back a six pack and like go and use your website and record it. And he's also like a UX researcher. So he kind of could tell you things that like weren't making sense to him. Um, so that was like a really funny ideation of that phrase that really took shape there for a while on the internet. But I mean, at the end of the day, you got to kind of, you just got to make things easy on your customers. And you know, that's a funny way of, of putting it out there. It's just like pretend that they're drunk in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely. I've read it somewhere that uh, marketing is the, just ma math and psychology together. So it's 50% of marketing, uh, of psychology and 50% of math. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of e-commerce just comes down to the numbers, which is the fun yeah. part. It's kind of where I got, uh, I got more into it, I guess, that way. Instead of uh, back, back in the day, like I was freelancing all the time and, you know, I had kind of clients all over the place like i was working with uh, a law firm i was working with a uh, big real estate holding company you know nothing really there was not a lot that was the same so it was kind of harder to build systems so that was like the first mm -hmm. mistake i was making building a business is no systems but the second one was uh you know <laughs> uh each of these had different ways that they were attributing value and how that their funnels worked and all that stuff and then when i started to really get deep into e-commerce i was just like this is so much you know, straightforward because it's yeah. the same type of math every time you're doing this. And the cool thing about e-commerce is like all the numbers are right there. As long as you got analytics set up the right way, you're good to go. What are the best numbers or what are the numbers that I should, uh, I should uh, be focused on? That is a you leading question. Numbers, yeah. That is a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it could be a thesis also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, I would say the three best numbers and now these are the ones that, of my opinion, but also the ones that make up a really cool formula are uh, average order value, your conversion rate, and your sessions, right? And now these numbers, I think, are pretty much top tier for your traditional e-commerce store. Um, you could probably like want to flip in LTV for like a more subscription-based store, but mm -hmm. let's just look at these three numbers, right? So you got your conversion rate, your average order value, 
and the number of sessions. So these ones are cool because if you take your rolling average, let's say for the last month, right? And you take a look at these numbers and you multiply them all together, you're basically going to get your sales for your month. You have just now distilled your business down into three KPIs that you can track and measure and hopefully improve. Um, so you set that baseline in your business, you know, of your average order value is this, your conversion rate is this, and your sessions per month are this, and then you can, you know, use either kind of like some heuristic data that you like, well, I know that we're really bad at marketing. Like, let's do some math if we can increase it to this. And you can kind of see what levers you can pull and kind of what results you can want to, you can pull out in that formula. Um, and so those are, those are kind of the, the, the basis to our brand scaling formula is those three KPIs. And then um, as you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, the kind of guide that we wrote to doubling your sales, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun little book mm -hmm. around all these KPIs and then like how to actually improve these KPIs. Um, and uh, that's kind of, I guess, what we're here to talk a little bit more about today. <laughs> yeah. You can control a lot of it, but also some of it's just completely out of your control, right? So first and foremost, like people always will come to me and I don't know if they do this to you, but it's like, they're like, my conversion rate is, I'm using just made up numbers here. They're like, oh, my conversion rate's 2%, but I know my competitors mm. is three and a half percent. Like I should be at three and a half percent. And it's like, why? Like, wh where do you draw <laughs> that correlation? And it's so funny to me that people uh, think that it works like that because there's so much other stuff goes into a conversion rate other than the fact that you guys are selling similar products. And that's the thing. It's, it's a similar product. It's not the same product. Um, so the things you can control on your website, and then I'll go back into like things that you can't control. Like the things that you can control on your website, right? Is you can control your offer that you're presenting to your customers. Um, I would say that has a bit to do with both your conversion rate and your average order value. Uh, you can present the experience that you want to your customers. So we're talking about like what the heck your website looks like, right? You can you can control your look and feel of your website. How performant your website is, is super crucial within that conversation. Um, you can control kind of your the aspects of your branding and the targeting of your marketing. Those are all things that are within your control that are going to affect the conversion rate. But there's other things that don't affect your conversion like that can affect your conversion rate that like you have no control over right and so there's one of these things and this is a term that i'm borrowing from the insurance industry is like acts of god right you cannot control a national pandemic happening everything going online and ruining your conversion rate you also can't control the surge in small business support that came about 30 days after that where everyone saw record numbers within their business right these are two polar opposite examples of you know, something like a, an act of God situation within your business. You know, another more down to earth example might be uh, like you cannot control a Kardashian picking up your uh, your product line and featuring it <laughs> as like a shout out and you just running out of inventory overnight. You know, you can't control that. Um, so a lot of people, they need to really kind of sit back and take a look at at, you know, there's this kind of concept of the e-commerce advice tornado that I like <laughs> mentioned in the book a little bit, which I shout out to Krista while she helped me with this book. And that was something that uh, she kind of, she and I came up together, but it was really this thing was where like, there's just so much, so much information out there about what you should do as an e-commerce store owner. And I was, 
was like, let's just simple, simplify this thing down to like three metrics. And then people can kind of focus on the KPI that they feel is the most kind of uh, needs the most help, I guess, <laughs> uh, at the same time. And then I kind of walked through some scenarios of like why you should focus on all of them instead of just paid traffic, which is kind of what everyone focuses on at the end of that one, you know, with, with trying to increase sessions. Um, but I, I did answer your question, but in a very roundabout, long form, windy way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in the book that uh, you don't want to uh, mention a lot uh, uh, about uh, product market fit. Because if somebody has it, it's not a problem anymore. But if they are struggling with product market fit, uh, it could be a real struggle for DTC brands. I don't know. Could you please tell me some tips or advice uh, to reach it or or how to ignore it like you did it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're so right, man. And it's it's that still bugs me, right? I, I feel like that might have been a cop out in this version of the book. And I have a lot of ideas of how I might be able to improve upon that in the next second of edition the of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to grow this thing. Like uh, the goal is to make this into a real, uh, like a larger thing. And this is kind of just volume one, the iteration number three of a bunch of con, like a bunch of content that we had together at, at the agency. But um, I digress. What you asked was, let's let's talk a bit about product market fit. So the angle, or like kind of just the attitude that I had when I was writing the the um, kind of this guide was more speaking to what I know really well which is not that like from zero to one stage of a business, right? Helping someone find product market fit is you're almost stealing from them, right? If you're, if you're like, if you're out there hiring a consultant or a freelancer or an agency to help you find product market fit, that is a expensive endeavor. I just heard something the other day. I'm not yeah. kidding. This lady spent $80,000 with a, um, an agency, a branding agency to and for their website. And the website kind of just didn't work because it was just a bunch of guessing at what should happen there. Um, you know, the price really is arbitrary, but it was like this, like, mm -hmm. this wasn't a funded endeavor. Like you shouldn't be throwing money at crazy stuff, you know, and at the beginning of building a business, any business, I truly feel like it's the founders struggle. They need to get out there, talk to the customers and figure out this idea of product market fit. And it is kind of a little untangible, but, you know, what I feel a lot of, you know, interviews. So obviously I host a podcast <laughs> and yep. I have over a hundred interviews with brand founders where I ask them kind of this exact question. Like, when did you feel like you got it? Um, and uh, uh, oftentimes it was, it, it was kind of just the snowballing of sales were happening when there was this, the offer and the way they were presenting their product and the audience or like the marketing avenue that they were putting it in front of, like just clicked and it wasn't hard. Like that's a, that, mm -hmm. that right there might be like a little, a little bit of a secret that I should talk about a little bit more when I, when I speak to people is like, it shouldn't be hard. And if it is one of the key pieces of what you have going on is off, like your offer to your audience is off or your product doesn't actually solve a problem or the price point you want doesn't make sense for the market you're going after. Like those are all things you could potentially look at and changing. Um, but it, it's, yes, it's a very kind of difficult thing to help kind of figure <laughs> out. And, 
you know, agencies that are good, people that are knowledgeable, they're expensive. And at that time at a business, if you're not making any sales, like I don't know necessarily know if it's something you should be investing yeah. a lot of money in. Like I tell people oftentimes, and this number keeps getting higher, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but I tell people like you probably shouldn't work with an agency like until you're doing at least a million dollars a year. You know, that's kind of an arbitrary draw a line in the sand number, but like yeah. truly Unless you're getting some sort of deal, like everyone breaks their own rules. We break our own rules all the time with that. It's like if we really like the founder or we really like the product, we'll come up with some sort of terms that make sense for everybody. But <laughs> you know, below that, you got don't really you, all you should focus on below that is, you know, what is that lever I can pull in my business to where I know I can get more people to see my website, I can get more sessions, right? Let's go back to the KPIs. What's yeah. the lever I can pull to get more sessions that'll guarantee me more sales, right? If you can figure that out on your own. And if you can do it without paid advertising, that's a that'd be that's a crucial kind of like thing here. If you can do it without paid advertising, you have a really really winning business. Yeah, you you don't need any agency to help you, <laughs> or just with uh, with with some certain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a really here's a really easy analogy to kind of uh, think about for anyone out there that's looking to like work with an agency, and maybe you can even ask them. Like some agencies are good at finding like at starting a fire when it comes down like the marketing or wh whatever aspects of things like testing audiences and doing all that stuff but i'll tell you right it's expensive as hell it's like very expensive to test audiences and figure that out most agencies are better at pouring gas on an existing fire right and i would say that's where we fit especially because all we do is cro we don't even touch paid ads or anything like that so like without any data we can't help you like you need to go get a bunch of data first um I don't know. That was the coffee starting to kick in. You can tell that I'm going wild. <laughs> I could hear. I could hear it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you talked about uh, sessions, average order value, and uh, and also which one? The third one, conversion rate. Conversion rate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'm more interested in uh, in uh, the customer journey. Mm -hmm. How does these belong together in the in the in the customer journey what are the strategic places in it mm -hmm. yeah i would say that uh if you wanted to look at this like a funnel i don't know if that's a good analogy but we'll just we'll just do it <laughs> like that like so sessions would be um kind of the first kpi in your journey actually this is a good way to think about it this is a great question Uh, thank you. So sessions would be like the first interaction that your customer or customers are having with you, or maybe the second or third, depending on how, how you're doing your retargeting. Uh, but it's definitely further up the funnel, right? So all of your market marketing activities up in this part of the kind of attribution are inherently going to be a lower, uh, let's just call it time to money, which is like n just not even a real word, but it's like yeah. the, these are going to convert like up there the activities that are happening up in that sessions threshold are definitely going to be um less directly tied to kind of money activities even though you're like maybe even sending paid traffic like straight to a product page or whatever like converting for sessions can only kind of get you so much now the next two kpis are a little bit further down the funnel definitely a lot closer to the actual purchase to the money like one of them is literally the purchase right conversion rate yep you got cro all the way at the bottom And then in the middle is where I'd, I'd put AOV, right? So yeah. if you were going to look at this, you should be like, okay, well, the one that's closest to the money 
the bottom of this funnel is conversion rate optimization. A uh, little side note on conversion rate optimization, like conversion rate optimization as like a practice is kind of a misnomer because it's a conversion is any activity that you want the user to take. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't specifically them buying something on your website, which is kind of like a, a weird thing that happened because like they've been doing conversion rate op- op- optimization forever, even since like before e-commerce was like super, super big. Um, so like some things that you're going to, you're going to, uh, optimize for are like average order value or getting them further down a funnel or just other unique things that you want to do. So CRO isn't necessarily just your conversion rate, but it really gets attributed right there. But at the bottom of the funnel, all those on-site activities that you're taking to optimize the customer experience, that customer journey, um, are closer to the money. And then AOV is just a little bit above that. So like AOV, you know, a lot of those activities are, let's, let's break it down. It's really just upsells, bundle, bundling, and cross-sells within the user experience, like the offers you're presenting to them on the website too. So like the AOV stuff happens on the website as well. I might mention these bundles and stuff within your marketing campaigns. Um, but, you know, those things, these activities are more taking place on site. Whereas like all these sessions based activities are taking place through like email, SMS, paid ads, uh, organic marketing, et cetera. Um, was that a good kind of answer to your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would just uh, summarize this that uh, on the top of the funnel, you need uh, more sessions, we would say. Uh, and on the middle of the sessions, uh, uh, more CRO and at the bottom of the session, average order value. So th- these would be the key metrics or KPIs that you would... Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I I did it order I did it in opposite order because the way I was drawing this pyramid next to me, I wrote it backwards for some reason. But I would say <laughs> sessions, <laughs> sessions I think would be at the top of the funnel, yeah, uh, and then a little bit more narrowed down, a little more focused, a little more closer to that purchase would be actually average order value stuff because all of those are happening before checkout usually, yeah. right? You're getting presented with those offers either on the product page, on a collection page, within the cart, within checkout, maybe even post purchase. Like all those AOV opportunities are kind of like most of them are prior to checkout. And then obviously CRO is actually like the activity of checkout most Mm -hmm. of the time. Um, But I mean, honestly, both of those two, a lot of the stuff you're going to be doing there is activities are are CRO activities, like trying to increase the AOV and trying to increase the kind of the conversion rate itself. Um, But so the reason why we built out this goofy funnel here is, you know, talking about what is a closer to the money activity and I did a really great breakdown of the math behind this in the book. And I don't want to bore everybody with kind of how the math works, but I'll give a, a quick, quick synopsis. I'm actually ter- opening up the digital copy of the book here so I can not like fumble over my words. But yeah. um, a lot of people are like, well, I, I only have so such amount of budget. I'm going to invest it straight into paid ads. And it's like, you can do that, but you should do a math activity behind it and kind of take a look at how things work. Um, So if you want to increase your kind of return on ad spend, like you can have the best marketing team in the world building you the best ads in the world. Um, But if your experience that you're sending them to is like kind of terrible, you're not going to see any kind of real wins there. Um, So let's take a like here's an easy scenario with some really rough math, right? Let's say you got a hundred thousand dollar budget and mm-hmm. you got a seventy-five dollar average order value at a two percent conversion rate. 
and you're getting these people to your website for a dollar cost per click. You know, these are all made up numbers. This is just math to show you why AOV and conversion rate are such powerful levels, mm -hmm. levers versus just traffic, right? So in this exercise, basically what we're looking at is the KPIs are you've got 100,000 sessions, $75 AOV, 2% conversion rate. That's going to get you a gross revenue of $150,000. That's also going to be just a net revenue of $50,000 on this activity, right? Now, let's kind of take a look at this in a different lens. Like maybe this website was bad and the mm -hmm. conversion rate could have been higher or they're losing people on this website because it, you know, conversion optimization comes down to got to get rid of people's fears, uncertainties, and doubts. Like why don't they don't want to buy from you? Um, you know, and if, you know, you make the website faster, you make the customer journey make sense, which I kind of skipped answering your customer journey question earlier. And I'll kind of walk people, people through my, my idea of that is here in a minute. But let's look, let's go back to the scenario two here, where instead of, you know, spending their $100,000 budget on just, uh, just paid ads without fixing the website. Mm -hmm. They first fix the website. How much is that going to cost? I don't know. How long is a piece of string? That's the real relevant question <laughs> yeah. to this conversation. The, th the thing is here is they go in, you know, they increase the average order value from $75 to, I don't know, $95.50 by doing some cool stuff. Maybe they put in a free shipping threshold or some sort of BOGO deal. There's crazy things to do. Try them. You can get it done. Right? So they increase that average order value up to $95.50. Uh, they increased the conversion rate from 2% to 2.52%. Honestly, you could do that by making your website faster and making it more optimized for mobile. That's mm -hmm. like not a ridiculous... Like everyone's shopping on mobile. You should really be optimizing for mobile. Um, right? So they do these two activities. They run that same 100,000 sessions through the website at that same cost per click. Because remember, these are the best ads in the world. You know, they got these things honed in. These are the best things. This is the best that they can get from their paid advertising efforts. Um, so instead of returning 150k total, and they're now returning a 238 thousand dollar 140 gross revenue through this, so that's a return on ad spends of 2.38 versus 1.5 earlier, and that's mm -hmm. a difference. I mean, so like that's netting them 138k in profit, but that's a difference of 88 thousand dollars between the, the the first iteration of this where they didn't optimize the store and the second iteration of this where they did optimize the store. Now. All this math is crazy. It's in that book. You can just go to brandscalingframework.com to get this book for free, or you can go to like our website and sign up for it, or you can get all, all this stuff to Honesty Commerce website. Um, but there's also a link to kind of the spreadsheet where you can do all this math yourself, kind of see what happens uh, to your own business if you plug your own numbers in there. Um, but yeah, it's there's definitely a reason to focus on optimizing your experience. Yeah. These are just like uh, calculus or, or statistics. They are just basic math. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, the thing. It's like, this isn't hard. I just had a lot of numbers and you're listening to this. So you're like, I don't get this. It was, these are <laughs> the easiest numbers in the world. The formulas are super easy. There's no crazy, like, al there's, you know, there's no algorithm here. There's no algebra here. Technically there's algebra, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't it's, scare, it's not scare listeners, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to scare anybody. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, I'm curious that how not to mess up this uh, customer journey. Like, what could be the distracting things that uh, uh, maybe 50% of the market still uses and still uses wrong? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So like, how do you not screw up this customer journey? Well, so e-commerce stores, more and more, the patterns of the internet are almost ingrained to most people that are using it. And things kind of should make sense. We go back to that concept of like the user is drunk, right? Yeah. They should get to their your site and they should kind of just know what to do next if they want to do the next step, right? So when they get to the homepage, they should easily be able to navigate to your collection pages. And these collection pages should be, be able to be filtered and sorted in a way that makes sense to your products and to the goals of your customers browsing your website. So now they get, you know, they need to easily get from the homepage to the collection page, from the collection page to the product page. The product page should now be answering all of their fears, uncertainties, and doubts about buying your product. Does it solve the problem that I have a problem with? You know, you should have your guarantee there, user proof. You should have unbox. Like you should have as much information on that product page as possible to answer every question that a customer might have about your product. Um, an easy way to just read your customer service requests or the emails that people have about your product, put that information right there on that product page, right? Uh, so you got to make that experience better. That helps get, get into people's carts, you know, through that, you know, in some of these places in the journey, you maybe want to try some, you know, upsell, cross-sell and bundling offers within that. Um, but, you know, the, the real thing here with the CRO stuff is making sure you're answering all those questions on that product page and making the product page as better as you can. Uh, and getting that thing into cart. Um, from there, uh, you know, there's kind of a pattern on the internet where now people are going to wait and see if you email them a, pro uh, a discount code, you know, do what you want there. But like once you get that <laughs> thing into cart, they're pretty damn close. Do your best with remarketing to get that sale done. Um, but, it, you know, the journey from homepage to collection page, product page to cart checkout needs to be, you know, as streamlined and like it needs, just needs to make sense right and i see a lot of issues often is when people put design over like known patterns and you're just you're just screwing up your conversion rate by doing this um mm -hmm. and like there's still a way to be a design forward brand but still kind of present it in a way that makes it easier for your customers to shop. Um, and, you know, it, it is at the end of the day, it's like, do you want to get rid of profits to do whatever weird thing you want to do with your website? Most founders will say no when you ask them that direct question, but then you get pushed back on, you know, well, we want to do it this way. Then you can get into the conversations where it's like, cool, we'll split test it. We'll do it that way. We'll show you the other way. We'll look at the mm -hmm. results. We'll let the results tell us what happened. You know, that's how you can win these conversations or lose these conversations with people when you disagree upon how you should kind of affect the experience of the website. Um, well, yeah, just when it comes to the customer journey, make simple, streamlined, make sense. And I kind of just glossed over the fact that your website needs to be as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious that uh, how could you read your customer's mind? Uh, maybe from data, maybe from your perspective or if they to maybe to uh, decide if they are top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, what data should they use and, uh, and how to personalize the experience for them? Should I, should I uh, throw them in a pigeonhole or, or not? That's a, that's a great question. And you can 
get a well you should get more specific with your remarketing efforts um you know the you know marketing also is a, a very simple way to think about marketing is there's a three step funnel uh, as well so you got at the top of the funnel uh, you're going to call this like cold traffic. These are people that don't really know who you are. Right. And so the goal at this stage of the funnel is basically brand awareness. You're trying to get your, your, your brand in front of these, these customers and potentially move them to the next step where they are aware of your business at all this, like people, it should be like a product that could solve a problem for this customer. You should already have it focused down a little bit more, but like, so in the middle now, these are people that are aware of your product and it's like a more of a consideration phase. So this is like the middle of the funnel. People will refer to this as like more warm traffic. And with the modern technology that we have these days, you should be able to retarget these people through paid ads, through email, through SMS. Like this is like really where the stuff is kind of gets fun. When you're kind of moving people from that top of the funnel to the middle of the funnel, there's also, you know, you can be gathering first party data from these people to further segment them into more specific you know, niches of customer or to, to present them with more specific offers um, in the middle of that funnel. And then at the bottom of the funnel, this would be like what people are saying is hot traffic. Um, an easy way to think about it in the e-commerce world is like, these are people that have added this thing to the cart and abandoned. It's like, they're right there. Like these people are ready to go. Or somebody has visited your product, product page a dozen times. That's an arbitrary number. But like you can find some 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 data to where it's like, oh, well, when people are at this phases of the funnel like we can test some new offers on them to really try to get them to convert um but that's how kind of i approach uh explaining the the types of traffic and where they're at in the funnel to potential customers yeah um how to grow your sessions average order value or conversation conversation rates conversion rates again yeah how how to how to raise these three key metrics and well, this is also a thesis yeah, yeah. this is it's this it's is, written in the ebook okay let's move on <laughs> no, no 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 i mean i i wrote i write a lot of things in the ebook but i'll try to uh, make a, a quick synopsis here um well first and foremost like there when it comes to sessions you know there's a, a bunch of marketing and advertising tactics that you can do um, I'm not going to say one is better than the other because it really comes down to the type of customer you have, where that customer hangs out, what's going to resonate with them, right? If I've got a, you know, motorcycle lifestyle jewelry company, you know, where we make really awesome rings and necklaces, I'm probably not going to get a lot of return advertising for that on Pinterest, Right. You said really like these are the mm -hmm. simple things you need to think about. Where are these people hanging out? Now, on the flip side, if I have like a jewelry brand that's made for young professional women, uh, you know, that might do extremely well on Pinterest. You know, you got to think about where are these people hanging out from an advertising perspective and then from my marketing perspective and all that stuff is like there's a million ways to increase your sessions. There are there's so much content out there in the world to do it. I'm not going to tell you which one works for you. Uh, you should just be smart and figure out like, this is your, your, it's your business. You should know where your customers are hanging out. Um, and you should really kind of go after it. I'd always, I'm always a fan of, uh, you know, making sure you have an organic growth strategy alongside, a, you know, some sort of paid growth strategy, um, because they kind of feed into each other. 
um, and the efforts that you put into organic content pay tenfold over time. Like, you know, yeah, that video you made is never going to go away. That photo shoot you did is never going to go away. That partnership with an influencer is never going to go away. Uh, whereas your paid advertising tactics go away immediately when the, the, the ad's out, right? So optimizing for that is, again, just looking at the data and, and kind of going from there. But the other two, uh, average order value and conversion rate, this is one that's a little uh, harder to give a lot more specific details to. I can give you some broad strokes, but uh, average order value, kind of like I talk, talked about earlier, the ways to increase your average order value would be to work on the offer that you're presenting to your customers. So this is going to be with you know upsells, cross-sells, and bundles. Um, and again, you got to think strategically about it, right? You're not going to do a buy one, get one free sale on a couch because I don't need two couches. <laughs> uh, but you could possibly do some sort of, uh, you know, buy a couch, get a love seat type situation. You got to look at your margins, whatever, but you have to, uh, you have to think, think about it creatively. Like, so like a buy two, get one free deal for t-shirts makes a lot of sense. doesn't make a lot of sense for a super high AOV, uh, you know, product. So again, these things think think some you have to think of some consideration. You can test these things with your customers. Uh, you know, present maybe segment out some email people and ask them if they they're interested in these audit, these offers, right? And then to uh, the bundling experience out of the box is kind of terrible for most platforms, and I feel like you get a much better solution there, going a little bit more custom. That's a little like high level on on how those AOV uh, motivators work. But then over to conversion rate. This one comes down to making that customer journey as streamlined as possible, answering every fear, uncertainty, and doubt that the customer has about your product where you can on the website, and making the website as performant as possible. Now, with that and with AOV, I just scratched the surface on what you can do. And that's kind of the more heuristic stuff is there's a lot of patterns and stuff that most internet marketers or you know conversion rate optimization people are going to just see that's top level. This concept of low-hanging fruit, this heuristic stuff. Is like, We've been doing this forever. These are patterns that we know that work, right? Once all that stuff's done, then you're getting into the more interesting stuff, which is learning from the data, You know, Google Analytics, getting in there and seeing where people are falling off or having interesting uh, activity within the analytics to then draw from that to make some kind of hypothesis on like what's going on, why is this broken, how can we fix it? Um, another powerful tool is like a heat mapping or scroll mapping software like Hotjar. Uh, watching those user sessions is a just gold mine of information of things that you can potentially optimize on your website. Um, another thing is people don't notice this, but within reviews, you'll often find language that is very helpful to mm tailor the copy on the page to answer a question or a hesitation that someone had about your product before people will straight up say like before i bought xyz i thought this but i'm proud to say that i was wrong right and then it's like okay well let's just say that on the copy of the page to help you know get rid of that hesitation that customers have about your product right so mind those reviews uh mind your customer service inquiries to get all that information to kind of add into things um, another thing that people can do is uh, utilize uh, kind of surveys. You can survey your customers for specific questions. You can even pre present these to people that aren't customers yet uh, on the website. That's a powerful way to get more insights to to kind of drive these these tests to do on your website. 
And now with CRO, and we're getting really into the weeds here on, on conversion rate optimization, right? Trying to optimize for average order value for conversion rate for time on site for, you know, whatever you're trying to optimize for CRO is a long term game. It is not a quick win. It is not a, a like overnight success, right? You'll find an overnight success with like a big swing, like doing a complete website redesign, you know, might be a big success, but it also could be a big failure. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier to start with something new because just the underlying data is so bad, but at the end of the day, you know, some people, they want to do CRO for 30 days and think that they're going to get, you know, some really good returns. And that's just not possible. Like, you, you know, this is definitely a long-term kind of thing. You need to get into the data, look for patterns, test things. And here's the, here's the real truth is like to get a statistical, statistically significant. Wow. That's a hard phrase to get <laughs> like, to get your true AB test winner. You need like over a hundred thousand sessions a month, and that's something that most brands, you know, under two to three million, aren't doing. Like, you can't yeah. really get that real winner at that point. Um, but there are kind of ways to around it to 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 test some other stuff. But whoa, man, that was another another tangent of mine. Just getting into the weeds on how this stuff works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned these best practices and. Uh... And I recently read at uh, LinkedIn that these are the just the baseline of things. That if you want to be extraordinarily successful, you have to make something unique or unorthodox. Uh, how could you find these things uh, at a DTC brand or an e-commerce brand as an agency? How could you dig down uh, to these roots of 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 strategy of of thinking of the customer? At, at the DTC brand as an agency? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, I think, yeah, you'll, you'll find winners with unorthodox strategies, but I think everything else potentially in their funnel makes sense. I mean, if their whole funnel mm -hmm. is wild, I don't think that they're going to find much success. Because uh, again, like the patterns of the internet teach you how to shop. The Walmarts, the Targets, the Amazons of the world are teaching customers how to shop. And the further you get away from that experience or the less obvious you're making the next step, uh, the more difficult you're making it on your own brand. Now, if you've got a very unique brand, maybe you can kind of come up with, uh, you can test some of these strategies and find a winner. Um, but I think taking like that at the surface level of, oh, like a more unique thing works and just going with that. And that's the thing with all best practices is like, mm -hmm. Yes, there's there are these concepts and these patterns that are familiar on the internet. But if you implement them and you're not looking at the data, and then the data is like actually this that this is doing worse than it was before. Like if you're not rolling it back, you're not being smart about watching that stuff. You know, you you've made a mistake. You should always be testing all of these best practices, and that's something that's like a uh, kind of funny. Is like you'll see all these big CRO articles. It's like oh, it's how I doubled my conversion rate by making this button red, and then you see a bunch of people making buttons red. It's like <laughs> Well, no, you should test that um, and really figure out what's going on there. So, you know, a lot of this, again, is like there isn't a one size fits all solution because your business is different than your competitor's business is different than your inspiration's business. Like everything is different. Your customer is different. Your offer is different. Your, you know, 
how long you've been in business is different. So you can afford to make more or less risks. Maybe you're funded, maybe you're not, maybe your quality is different. Maybe your offer is off. Like all of these things truly affect your business and then like your conversion rate and how all these things are going to intertwine together. And last but not least, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for DTC brands. So I ask uh, four quick questions from all of the uh, guests at our show. And one of them is uh, what, what books or blogs would you recommend to read for a DTC brand or influencers to follow? Oh man! All right, that's a good Honest question. e-commerce, okay. Well, yeah, one of that. No, well, I would, I would love, I would love <laughs> for people to check out my stuff selfishly, but I'll actually because we went really deep on CRO here. There's a really good book called "Don't Make Me Think" um, by Steve Coog. I think I'm gonna mispronounce his last name. Um, this is like a book that they they give you in computer science college. It's about uh, just making obvious choices and and in, in building user interaction. Um, I think that would be a fun if like people are interested in CRO and like how mm-hmm. you should be thinking about websites and how they work. That's a fun book. But if you want a free book, you can just head on over to brandscalingframework.com and get our get our kind of guide to doubling your sales that we've kind of been talking about all day. Obviously, check yeah. out the podcast too. That was a very long answer for one that should be short. I'm going to stop with the long answers now. Okay, okay, just take it. Uh, what is the be- biggest mistake that a DTC brand could make? biggest the single biggest that you've observed overspending overspending Hmm. yeah not understanding their numbers Uh, it's uh every decision you make as a business owner you know affects your bottom line we could have a whole conversation on about, about financials um but yeah i think that when people overspend on things that they shouldn't uh that's kind of where you're going to go out to business you yeah. kind of see that a lot right now in the ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could you tell me your quick growth tip related to conversation rate optimization or, or this brand framework that you have? Quick growth um, tip for them. I don't know if this would be quick, but this is something that I guarantee no listeners doing. Segment your data out in Google Analytics. Well, if Google Analytics isn't fixed, it isn't working correctly for you. That's probably the first thing to fix. But like segment your data out by... Uh, devices and you'll probably notice uh, some issues within certain browsers where like your conversion rate is just not in the same range as everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Now you've got something to investigate and fix. Hmm. Nice. Wow. Uh, You've mentioned Hotjar, but uh, I want more tools for DTC brands uh, that Hotjar is my favorite tool in the yeah. world. That one's really fun. Google Analytics is a, a behemoth of a tool, but it is very useful. Um, we, you know, we're we're Shopify experts. We specifically only work with Shopify stores these days, just because we're lazy. We don't want to learn any other platform. Um, but obviously, we love that. We're big fans of Clavio. Um, I could kind of go on and on about all the apps in the ecosystem that we're partners with and intertwined with. Um, but you know, I would say if, if I could only recommend one install Hotjar on your store, you can get a free, you can get it going for free right now. And you know, yeah, it's, I think we have a coupon code that I can't remember, but you know, (laughs) that's That's a good hook. 
<laughs> to find you. <laughs> I've got yep. a coupon code for free hot jar, but you have to find me. <laughs> no, no, anyone can do it for free. They don't even have to. Yeah. They, they don't even have to hit us up. But then, if we get credit, uh, they really like us. I'm actually getting featured by Hot Jar. Uh, we did an interview not too long ago. Oh, nice. Thank you, Chase, that you accepted our invite and uh, uh, helped the Have My DTC Grow community and listeners to have their DTC grow. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. It's it's always fun to be on this side of the microphone where you know yeah. I can drink a bunch of coffee and just rant. Ah, uh, nice. Thanks. Yes, thank you so much. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.